You're listening to Legends of Thra, a new podcast from Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal Podcast. Welcome to Legends of Thra, a new podcast presented by Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Uh, James Reedy and Ethan Erskar. How are you guys doing? Oh, thank you. How are you doing? All right. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It is a nice sunny day here in Los Angeles and it's like 68 degrees. I don't know. So that would be maybe 20 degrees Celsius. I don't know. I don't know what that that translates. See, I know my banter. I know my banter, Ethan. (laughs) I know my English banter. Um, But we are here to start a new show. We wanted to be able to talk about Dark Crystal in a way that we feel like it hadn't been talked about before. Us three as a group are always talking and having fun and we met, I met Ethan years ago, I mean like online and then we met two years ago in person. Was it two years? Yeah, two years ago. Um, Over two years ago now. And we felt like we just wanted to be able to discuss the Dark Crystal and Age of Resistance in a way that really honored everyone involved in it um, from every aspect from the set designers to the costumers to the you know the the people doing the sewing to every aspect every corner of whether it's the original film or the show and there's a lot to talk about and that we'll get into all of that eventually but it just seemed appropriate that we have our introductory episode where we're just talking about who we are and how we came to the dark crystal and some of you guys might have heard us before talk about that i've been on trial by stone many times as have Ethan and James had been as well. Um, but we just felt like it was time to kind of do our own thing um, under the banner of Trial by Stone because they have a great audience. So here we are. So let's get started. Let's let's get right into the, the deep end of it. Yeah. Okay. So um, how did you first get into uh, Dark Crystal then, Jamie? You want to ask me? Okay. Yeah, you go so, first. Okay. Um, so my first experience with the dark crystal was as a very young child um and i am in a living room and someone's watching it on tv or they're watching a a vhs dub of it and i'm like Mm -hmm. what is this i mean right away i remember as a kid like i couldn't stop watching it like it i'd never seen anything like it before it was like a spell it was like a a visual spell over me and so i sat and watched it in the living room and I grew up in a commune, so there were communal living rooms on every floor of this, in these buildings that we live in. Um, and eventually the obsession grew and grew and um, I would borrow the video and not return it to its owner. And so I think I eventually ended up, make, <laughs> ended up making it my own dub of it and watching it 28 times in a week once, 28 times in a week. 28 I, times. I swear to you. When wow, I that's, com- that's commitment, man. I was obsessed with it. I mean, I would stop <laughs> it, I would play it it would end, I would play it again. Um, I couldn't understand what I was responding to. I mean, in some, as an adult, I do now where it was, this is amazing and magical. I've never seen anything like this. And how did they do this? How yeah. could they have done this? How could this have been made? Mm-hmm. Augress seemed like a real person to me. I was like, where is this lady? Like, she just seemed as real as, and of course, this is through child's eye, a child's eyes. Yeah. And since that point, I've been crazy obsessed with the dark crystal um i mean we're doing this recording right now visually at least <laughs> me and james are 
Ethan's too good for us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I'll, I'll okay. get a webcam. It's, it's okay. Our number one priority. Yes. <laughs> um, but like, I'm surrounded by dark crystal figures that I've made um, throughout the years, and books, and replicas, and props, and it's uh, it's something that has been in my life every step of the way and informed me. So that's kind of the beginning and then i mean the story continues but that's sort of how it started that's awesome it definitely like i always find um once you if you if you get the dark crystal it changes you like the moment you see it that's it it's just ingrained in you like um for me when i was when i was a kid like i lived abroad um and i we i lived in germany with my mum and dad obviously and uh my dad was in the ref and uh, we used to go to this ref camp and there was this like VHS rental place. And now, now thinking back on it, all the videos in there are like my full of, it's my entire childhood, anything they had on there. Cause it was like old eighties movies and stuff. And every time I'd go in there, there'd always be the dark crystal. And it was that, it was the cover where it was, um, it's like multicolored and it's got, it's like hand-drawn. So it's Augra, Jen and Kira, um, a mystic. Um, and I remember just, totally infatuated with it not even knowing what it was and I remember just asking my mum like every time we went in there please let's rent it please rent it. and always said no and then eventually my mum gave in and I was just totally just balled over by it I just didn't I didn't understand what I was watching I just 100% believed that they were real creatures but didn't think of it as a film does that make sense it was kind mm-hmm. of because they're so because it's so um organic mm-hmm. and then that was it. I only, I only, I saw it the once and the video went back and it was just sort of in my consciousness. And it wasn't until I was like 15 and I was walking into a HMV um, near where I live and there it was on DVD. And ever since then, since getting that on DVD, it's just, it just takes, it's just taken over my life. <laughs> and uh, um, it's led me to sort of my, my relationship with it has kind of got into the autograph collecting uh, side of it. So I used to collect autographs for Doctor Who. And uh, I went to a convention and there was a guy sitting there and his name was Michael Kilgariff. And I recognized the name and couldn't think for the life of me what, where I'd seen it. Anyway, cut to like two months later and I'm watching Dark Crystal. And there his name is in the credits as the voice of the Garthin Master. And for some reason, I'd never thought to collect from Dark Crystal because I'd always seen it as puppets and not really understanding that, like, for example, the mystics, that there's people inside the creature, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then that was it then. Like, as soon as I like, started looking through the names and as we go through, we'll, there's a relationship between the actors in Star Wars and Dark Crystal and having that accessibility. And that was it then. It just sort of like, meteoric rise to connecting everything to do with it yeah what about you ethan how did i get into dark crystal i think i think my parents got me the the vhs way back in the day and it was the cover with the i think there was green on the the outside of the 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 cover and yes yes in jen and cure on top of the land strider when i was a kid i always thought that was august head I, I never made that connection. <laughs> like, why are they on her head? Um, but 
I just uh, I tried to watch that all the time. My grandma, she was uh, crazy uh, anti. She just thought it was a dark satanic movie, and she would always take it and throw it behind the bookcase. She, and she wouldn't throw it out. I guess she was respectful in that way, but she she would throw it behind the bookcase, like out of sight, out of mind. They're not gonna watch it. Um, but I, I tried to watch it as much as I can. I I absolutely I'm with with you. Like I. I felt like uh, they were actually on a different planet filming these alien creatures. Like even now uh, in 2021, you know, I know there's like a handful of like mistakes here and there, like, oh, you could see human there or, you know, a, a mistake here and there in the movie. But even now as an adult watching it in 2021, it, it's, it doesn't jump out at me. You know, it, uh, I, I can't see those mistakes. I just see another planet, another world. So I, I've been obsessed with that other world since I was a kid. Um, I've just, you know, and that's that's why I'm kind of uh, obsessed with the lore of the Dark Crystal. I've just wanted to explore this other planet. Like to me, it is another planet that needs to be explored. You know. You know, you have to go to every continent and see every creature and every Gelfling clan, and it needs to be written down. You know, I just want to explore this planet. But anyway, um, yeah, just started watching it when I was a kid and became obsessed. Wanted to write it down. What do you mean by writing it down? Stop asking questions. Let me. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, 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 I am a fan fiction writer in my head. So I think up the stories, but I don't write them down. Um, because I'm a procrastinator, but uh, <laughs> ideally, I'd love to to write for Dark Crystal. Um, got thousands of stories in my head in this universe, and uh, I'm constantly telling them to myself all the time. Uh, I, you know, I'm just, you know, James is obsessed with the autographs, and Jamie, you're obsessed with the the magic of the puppetry. puppetry yeah yeah and uh, i'm obsessed with just every detail of this this world you know in the history of it like just the the smallest thing like the the heretic mentions he was the conqueror and i want to i want that story so I, I sit there and tell myself the the story of the the conqueror to the heretic that happened 379 trying to go you know like i want that story in my hand and part of me is a little jealous of the star wars community like they get a, a comic and a novel and a and an, an episode a tv series a movie of every little aspect of that galaxy and i'm i'm like come on i want that for dark crystal you know i want you know like uh a 12 issue comic series about podlings or something you know I, uh and i i think some people would probably you know that that would probably saturate it or be annoying or something but i i wouldn't mind at all i yeah i, I think i th i totally agree with you mm -hmm. on that because i think there's there's a hundred i think that's one of the things that we all love about the dark crystal world and thra mm -hmm. it's like that there's so much scope to go as deep or as little as one of the things that i love it is I can go as deep into this as I like. So like when, you know, like we all do, like when real life gets a bit tough sometimes, I can just delve 
as deep into this as I like. And I just lose myself in the law, in the puppetry. Now, every time so everyone, I just love it. Every time one of the puppeteers or Jim Henson Company releases a, a picture from behind the scenes that I've never seen before, I instantly fall in love again. Because it's, it's like seeing that movie or series all over again with fresh eyes. Because it's just, you know what I mean? It's just, I could just see it over and over. Um, and also, I think with regards to what you're saying about Star Wars, I think that's really difficult because you, I think there's like a fine line between quantity and quality. And Oh, definitely. And like with Age of Resistance, like I know a lot of fans are still banging on about season two and we all feel that way. We'd all love more. But Age of Resistance for me is such a great um, prequel that I love it as it is, if you know what I mean. And if we didn't get another series, you know, I'd be happy with what we got. Uh, was there a moment for you guys in terms of the original film that is something that you, that is pure magic, that is like, yeah, you're watching it and all of it is enthralling, but all of a sudden there's this one moment and you're like, oh my God. And you still have that moment today. I mean, I know I do. We've talked about it here and there, but I'm curious on the record what that moment is for you guys. Hmm. That's a difficult one. Oh, I know. I think, go on then, Ethan, you start. All right, so the opening shots of when you uh, go into that crystal chamber and you look down and then we're going through the Skeksis and they're just standing around the crystal and that mm -hmm. narrator's in your ear. It's pure magic. Mm -hmm. And they're not, they're hardly moving, like their skin is pulsing here and there, but it really feels almost like a National Geographic documentary, like like the camera's just like a documentary filming, like here they are in the sacred chamber gathered around the crystal and they feel like they're really there, they're alive. And it, this is a sacred moment for them, you know? And it's, uh, you get chills every time. And that's probably what Jim was going for. Like, it, it almost feels like a, a foreign film. Like there's no words other than the narrator, but it's just, I mean, you could put it on mute and you just feel that moment. You know, I get chills every time. It's weird that you picked that moment, man. Cause as, we, as you were talking, I was thinking of exactly the same moment. It's just, it's so, I, I, I love it. And it's so weird. It's like, like you said, you're just totally, it's like you're viewing a portal into another world isn't mm -hmm. it that like you said the i think trevor jones's score over the top is 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 100 part of that atmosphere building because it's sort of like it's not it's really long drawn out notes and it's almost like building tension but you don't know why and the fact that we get those close-up once the once the light hits the crystal and you get those lovely gorgeous close-up shots of each of the skexes you don't even know what they are yet and yeah, oh, you're, totally. you're, you're just you're faced with these otherworldly beings. And it's the first thing you see, the, the, the villains of the piece. I think that's such a great way to start a movie. Yeah, I've always been in the mind that the, the Skeksis are almost the stars of the film. Oh, like 100%. Jen, yeah, Jen and Kira are almost, uh, not sideshow, what's the word? Supporting characters? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that movie is there to showcase the the Skeksis. Yeah. 
I think narratively they take over. I mean, narratively in the story, the Skeksis won at this point. They are, yeah. They're, I mean, they are just about to win with a great conjunction. The story is about them. The Gelfling, for all intents and purposes, are gone. The Mystics are forever relegated to the Valley. It, you are right. It is the Skeksis story. And then they also intentionally that the Gelfling are meant to be us, right? So as mm -hmm. we come in, it's sort of like we're the Gelfling. We're uh, Jen knows nothing about the Skeksis. So it's sort of like the viewer and him are learning at the same time what the situation is. And I thought that was a really, as a kid, it's weird now that I remember back, I was, I think when I watched it for the first time, it wasn't the Skeksis that I was most weirded out by. It was the fact that when I saw Jen running, I thought he was a human. And then the moment he comes through into the dying master's chambers and realized he wasn't a human he's not a little boy like me that was the bit that weirded me out which is kind of strange but... it's unnerving huh i had yeah. nightmares when i was a kid about gelfling really no really? uh, never about the skeksis or anything else uh i remember i'd wake up in the middle of the night and if i saw like a shape or like a mound of laundry i would think it's a little gelfling staring at me and of course How you know long? gelfling are dangerous but i was like i gave me the creeps i was like Ugh. and i'd like go hide in my bed and wait for the morning but you know i i distinct, distinctly remember always being scared of the dark like oh gelfling's out there it's not gonna hurt me <laughs> but stop looking at me you know that's interesting <laughs> well i think what's interesting about what we're saying is when we're children and we're seeing things children are pretty accepting of what they see that's why they believe in Santa or the tooth fairy or these kind of crazy. Yes, they're not real. Um, <laughs> um, but I feel like when we're watching, at least when I was watching it as a child, you just accept that there are these creatures in this show. I and mean, yeah, it's a movie, but the way we're processing it is these are real. Just like when we meet new people or we, we go to different places as a child, we just accept what's in front of us. And I think it's mm -hmm. harder, like, You'll hear adults these days saying, yeah, puppets aren't my thing. But for kids, they are mostly. I mean, obviously, there are kids, some kids that it scares them and it's too much. But generally, kids love Sesame Street. They love puppetry. They believe it. They're invested emotionally in these characters. And that's what I did. I just invested. But it wasn't just in the characters. It was like in the world. And to your point about the opening sequence and you see all of the Skeksis and you see the, the pulsating veins, it was the detail on that. These things were alive in a way I've never seen anything alive before, except for maybe with Age of Resistance. But it was just like, and you could see every, like you could see their eyes moving, you could see their veins pulsating, you could see their mouth maybe breathing like a little bit. Just what creatures do when they show that they're alive and just as i got older myself i was like how did they do this how did they make these things this plastic this fabric look alive that's impossible it can't be true and for me the big moment i mean all of it was amazing but of course the big moment for me as is a lot of people's moments is kira jumping off the cliff with jen and mm. but what i love about that scene the most is the wide shot they cut to? Oh, yeah, where they just falling down. So there's the wide shot, oh, and her went. wings are out, and her head's turning. Yeah. And I'm like, how the How did they do that? Are they doing this? How <laughs> are they doing this? And I still have not 
heard from no. people how they've done how they did that and i've not seen like in aor as much as i love it and you guys know and everyone loves it there's not a scene like that uh there no. and they had less technology way less than they did yeah. with aor and they accomplished things that i still have never seen in my life replicated again yeah i mean like i mean that sh the close-up shots are um Jim, obviously Jim Henson was mm -hmm. puppeteering Jen and Kathy Mullen was doing Kira. So the close-up shots, they're on like a giant crane. Um, and then they're just moving them down on this crane. But the actual wide shot, I, I yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know how they did that. I think maybe with their head moving, maybe it was remote control because the Gelfling, they decided to go with remote control for the heads. So a little bit of backstory, when they did, when, um, George Lucas did uh, Empire Strikes Back. He went to Jim Henson and asked for a team to do Yoda. So he, Jim, at the same time, is prepping for Dark Crystal and sends four of his puppeteers, which would be um, Frank Oz, Kathy Mullen, Dave Barkley, and Wendy Froud, to basically use Yoda as a like teaching element. Like, how do we how do we make something that size? for our film um and yoda was all cables so all down the back of him is all cables and that and the gelfling head sizes were a lot smaller than what yoda's was so that decision to then go to rc was almost forced upon him if he wanted to do the gelfling so i won i yeah i don't know yeah i don't, I don't know how he did that wide shot someone Unless, said marionettes uh, okay and i'm like okay possibly maybe they, possibly but, but okay but so Let's just say there's marionettes. But where, where's the strings? Where are the strings? And how big are those? How long are those? And they're falling. Yeah, and their wings yeah. are out. Yeah, yeah. I do not. I, that is, yeah, I, I will d go to my grand. And, and, and this thinking. is why I love it. Because yeah. even now, you've watched this film how many times? And you still have elements where you don't know how they did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm watching it right now. I, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. Yeah, yeah, there's Carol no puppeteers there. Carol looks over to her left and then to the right. Yeah. It's crazy. And then one moment from towards the end of that moment that I absolutely love in a film of where I love almost everything. <laughs> where it's like they're landing and that when you jump and then when you land, you know, your body does this thing because your yeah. legs are kind of picking you up. They and her wings that. fold in. Yes, and they get that. Is... So you have, but it's like an orchestra. So there's, yeah. You have uh, what are the people who do the orchestra? The um, comp uh, the conductor, the people. Conductor. conductor, yeah. So it's like a conductor, Jim Henson, but he's also, uh, I cannot, I can can't comprehend it. I cannot comprehend now, that. Movie. Now add into the element with the close-up shots, you'll have an assist for the other arm. Mm -hmm. So you'll have the main puppeteer with his hand inside the puppet and the head, and the left arm, and then he'll have assist on the right, doing the other arm. And that all, and both of them do the exact same motion. That almost like shock absorbent from where they hit the ground, and that's like four people. Plus, you've got someone doing the RC on the face, all in the same time, all at the same moment, mm -hmm. and it's flawless, absolutely flawless. Yeah, and two. I mean, I know we'll eventually in episodes to come really dig into AOR, but there's a lot in the original film that we can discuss. But there are moments in AOR where. Rianne does that twist in the air, and I'm thinking, how oh, the bleep did they do that? 
I don't right. know how they really did that. I mean, in some places, you know, there's a green screen, there's people in, in green, um, and they're manipulating them, but that's a different move. He's turning, twisting, and that, that was done practically. Um, yeah. And there are a couple other moments in AOR, amongst many, where Brea is in her library, and you know, the, she's seeing the sign, and all the papers are strewning around. And someone told me those papers were practical. We had yeah. them on some type of gimbal or whatever, and they were yeah. moving around. And I'm like, "What?" Well, L- L- what Louise Gold said in the Louise Gold said in an interview that her favorite part of the filming AOR was being a piece of paper because really? they just green screen them. They just green screen them up, and it's a green screen rod, uh, green screen rod, and then they just move the paper around as they're wow. as they're all running around. And it's like like you said, the level of detail to get that shot. They could have easily CGI'd that mm-hmm. easily, but yeah. I mean, going back to your original question, I think one of the one of the moments that stands out for me in the original movie, and time and time again that comes back to me is that dying master scene, because I remember as, as a kid seeing him on that rock and just being totally in awe of him, and he visually as well of all the mystics, he's my favourite because he's just he's not only is he like super super old, but all of his spirals are just perfect on his face. Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting there just like, and as an adult thinking, how have they done, how have they, how have those people got in there? Like you just totally hidden away. There's not a single, like you said, you could watch this movie and there's hardly any hiccups where you see a foot or a head. It's just the level of detail these people must have gone to, to make, to, to sell that this is another world is just incredible really. But I just love that interaction between Jen and, and the master. Mm-hmm. You know, that that those um, when Jen says, Master, don't leave me, it, it breaks me every time, mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. It's just it. You just feel you feel that emotion from that scene. In comparison, in comparison to how the, the emperor dies, you know, what I mean, like complete stark contrast. Yeah, totally. And the world again, uh, to talk about something that, you know, I mean, I know that Ethan, you love all of this, but just the the story building, the world building that they're doing here. It's a world that's feels like it's a living history. It feels like it's a history. Mm, so, yeah. um, I know the book, um, the world of the dark crystal is written as if it was discovered by some, uh, some human, I can't remember like archeologist or whatever. And, but it feels, I remember reading the, the world of the dark crystal as a very young person and, going through the pages and you're li- you're reading agra speak yeah um, and you can feel it you can feel it and you see these designs and they they have the same texture of like uh ancient egyptian uh iconography yeah hieroglyphs whatever and it feels that way and it feels like where is this world at how do i get to it how do i get more where do we find I think, more i think it's also the fact that jim committed to this like it, like that that book easily could have just been to just make extra money, but it feels like it add it hundred percent adds more to the story. It gives you history of certain part, characters. It gives you um, uh, stuff that's not even said in the film, and all the extra material that you got, like with the world and the behind the scenes, just added to it. It wasn't just like. It, it's not like how I'd say today where it feels like, you know, a film comes out and it's just, oh, we'll just do the art of book. This was like, like you said, the history of this world. And to do it from August perspective, whoever decided that was a genius because it, 
in itself as a, as a as a body of work the world of the dark crystal is exceptional mm-hmm. let alone the fact that it accompanies this movie and- yeah i think it was a uh, brian uh froud that decided that at the end of the filming he said well we've got all this notes he he had a him and his assistant had a big stack of notes um and they said hey why don't we put these together and make a book and uh it it was his decision to put it all together and put it from auger's perspective and um it thank god uh brian decided to do that because i i think maybe the novelization maybe like maybe for a, a second here or there touches on the origins of the Skeksis and the, the Mystics and the Urskeks and stuff, but really the, the backstory of Dark Crystal comes from this book. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's one of the, those books that really is the companion to the, it's the Bible, you know? To, yeah, to, 100%. They, to really understand what's going on in this movie, this book, uh, helps and of course you don't need to read it to understand the movie but but it 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 really just expands the universe for you it's it's mind-blowing and it informs the universe it informs it the way mythology informs lord of the rings i mean there's you know uh, tolkien wrote the appendices and Mm. the Cimmerillion, and all of that is kind of a lot of those stories are, are are all over the place but it informs the texture of the of the main stories he's telling so their existence it builds upon the existence of you know the hobbit the fellowship of the ring and i feel like the world of the dark crystal does the same thing and uh, honestly and uh, again i know we're going to get to all of these in the months to come but like um the the books that henson released before aor informs the history they were rich and dense and and you know there's questions of do they match up or you know the stories they're telling but i remember reading those first few books or first two books and feeling like wow this is i'm back in this world this is textual and real and it informed my experience of aor and the original dark crystal and that's why i think those these kinds of things are so important. Yeah, and I, th- I think it was um, um, a genius idea to just use everything that they that they'd written before. You know, we had like the um, creation myths books, the comics. Um, they also did the Dark Crystal manga, uh, and then I'm, I'm assuming you you were referring to the JM Lee books. Mm-hmm. Is that what you were talking about? And then just collect all of that, and just essentially take the best bits, take the best bits add our own stuff into it as well make this weave i mean weave this tapestry of excellent storytelling i think i think it's i think i think ages resistance was just phenomenal and all uh, again hands up for them for doing like all of it with puppets they could have easily just turned around and gone now nah, we'll just do cgi girl fling but they didn't they wanted to do it the hard way and it is hard work like people think oh you know puppetry it's just kermit you put your hand up and he bobs along this is real acting with real actors with with you know and portraying that into a puppet and the hours of work that these guys put in hours and hours of work you know we we got 10 10 one hour episodes multiply that by like 50 and more and that's the amount of that's how much how many hours they put into it it's just and they're not just incredible and they're not just actors who showed up in a studio with puppets 
their arms are above their heads for hours and yeah. hours yeah. and hours yeah. while other yeah. people are in their armpits and they're flanking them or they're yeah. under Skeksis costumes or they're under Mystics costumes. And again, I think to get back to one of the reasons why I felt like we needed a, a show is to really dive into that. The, the, the work that it took to perform these puppets, to come up with this world, to come up with the story of this world, which all of us three are really, really intimately familiar with, and to build on it in a way that makes it completely believable, like it is a, a lost history or a history from another land that we just stumbled upon. 100%. Couldn't agree more. God, I, know, I was just going to add, really, like, I just think, I don't know if people really understand how many people it takes to produce something like Age of Resistance. Like, you have teams of people just doing the wigs, teams of people just doing the makeup. You think about how many puppet, how many Gelfling alone appear in that scene you know that that scene in episode one where um Brea falls in front of the carriage and there's all those gelfling along the side how many of those are actually real physical puppets with people puppeteer it's just and, and then there are assists everybody's got to have an assist and then everybody's got to have a, a someone doing the eyes it's just it's just mental mm -hmm. mental and then you cut to the carriage and you have this huge carriage and these enormous puppets in the carriage and Brea in the carriage and people under the carriage, under the puppets. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insane. It is absolutely insane. And I, I, when I would appear on trial by stone, I would always say so much work went into this, so much work went into this. And uh, I will always say that because I want people to really understand, I mean, filmmaking and, making television shows and all of that it's already a lot of work it's really hard work it's very long days this kind of puppetry as you guys know i'm speaking to the choir but also our our listeners is a completely different level of work just it's it's the kind of work that people they're using they're like swimming they're like swimmers where they're using every muscle in their body and these people mm. go home exhausted from the day before or the yeah. day's work um but i one of the things that i i find incredibly fascinating about the original film um, is the amount of time they'd spent on the story, how Jim just started a conversation. I mean, he had his own ideas, but he started a conversation with Brian Froud. He went over and visited. I mean, it's all in a documentary, but, and it's in various books, but, and those conversations lasted two years um, as they built the world, as they brought the world to life. And that is one of the reasons why it's so amazing, I think. I think it's wholly unique as well. I mean, when you, when you see any other type of movie or TV show, nine out of 10 times, it's always, they'll just write the story first and then build the world around it. Jim built the world first. He gave, and that's why I think, probably from Ethan's perspective, that's why he, he can get so involved with it because everything's connected. Every symbol, every, every creature designed is connected to that world. Uh, and I really like, I really, I really love the idea that, you know, as we find out later, that the Skeksis and the Mystics are split from one being, but those beings are alien, like the Earth Skeks are alien. And I love that idea that, that almost Dark Crystal, even though it is wholly fantasy, is kind of sci-fi as well. And I kind of liked that mixture of the two genres, if you know what I mean, because that's not really been done before or after it's always one or the other and i liked that idea that they were from another world 
and that they were just abusing this world because it's not theirs it's such a rabbit hole if you if you <laughs> let your brain go down I, there like what i started on the... a point and, and went off on one then <laughs> oh no like it's like if you if you follow that that logic you know like the earth kicks came from another world you know what is their world like what are other worlds like and that's the thing is that dark crystal puts a lot of emphasis on the stars and the moons and the planets and i mean we're constantly talking about the other worlds in this universe and that's something that's always fascinated me i i i and i i would be disappointed if we never touched on it i i have to see something from a different world um not a nurse and not someone from thra but we have to have another planet get involved um, some way, somehow. You know, the, the point is that every world has a crystal that, that channels, it's like, like life comes from the crystal, right? And yeah. I mean, some way, somehow, another world has to get entangled in, in Thra business, you know? And I, that, that's what fascinates me is that Thra's all of its little mini living creatures are so alien and strange and different. And then there's these Erskics that, that look like half ghost, half tree, half angel, you know? I'm like, what does another world in Thra's universe look like? And, it, and, you, and it's not Star Wars, you know? You don't have to just be like, oh, you know, there's the three-eyed hooligans from another world. Like, like, no, you have to think in terms of Dark Crystal. What does an alien world in, in the Thra universe look like? You know, and think outside the box. And that, that, that blows my mind, you know? The Erskeks come from a world and they, they look like weird ghost angel creatures. And I, I want to see another alien in dark crystal you know that would really knock my socks off and i i don't know about you but i'm kind of glad that on that same trailer thought i'm kind of glad we never ever got to see the home world of the Erskex. it's kind of like for me if they were ever to go to a sequel that'd be the natural place to go but i just think it's a no-go area because oh, the, absolutely. Moment, the moment the moment you the moment you pull on that thread the Erskics will lose all of their mysticism. Like, you just don't touch that. That's, for me, that's a, that's a red line. I agree wholeheartedly. The, the more you explain about the Erskics um, and, and delve into their, their biology or planet or, or anything, suddenly that magic is lost. I think a lot of the magic of the Erskics, it comes from the question marks. Like, what is their world like? Is it a planet or is it... Uh, you know, a different sort of dimension? Is it a, you know, they, there's so many what ifs there that if there was a, an official answer, if there was, well, this is it, this is the, the, the crystal planet of the, the crystal Erskek people, you know, it would rob the Erskeks of that magic if we saw their planet and it, we went too far deep into it. We have to keep exploring somewhere else. And create more questions, you know, maybe another world that's been touched by the Erskex. Maybe not our Erskex, but maybe the home world at Erskex, what have you, you know? Me personally, part of me wonders, like, 
what if the Urskex, the homeworld Urskex once were conquerors or, or missionaries, or, you know, what if they went from crystal to crystal, from world to world and, and touched other worlds, affected their, um, you know, just like our Urskex did, you know, they affected Thra. Do, do Urskex, did they used to, to affect other worlds and then they isolated themselves like we need to stop touching worlds you know what i mean um you know or you know the possibilities are endless but yeah i agree we shouldn't go too far deep into the earthskex homeworld itself like we don't need to learn about the planet itself that would rob its magic the end goodbye and now the prophecy is fulfilled We are again one. What I what I do love about the Earthskex and the Mystics and the Skeksis is the symbology and or the symbolism that you see in this film. And you mm. see, and I don't have the correct terms, but you see the triangles and they use the circles. Um, and they, yeah. there are certain there are certain terms, the 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 imagery that we're seeing, but and a lot of it has to do with like mathematics and angles, um, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, like sacred, sacred. What is it? Maybe you know this, Ethan. But like sacred, not sacred mythology. Sacred ge- geometry. Yeah, sacred geometry. Yes. Like the golden ratio and yeah. Oh yeah. And so they're building this world using those, and those are found in our world. I mean, and that's also really what informs Dark Crystal and makes it seem real. Is there the the foundation of the world is built on sacred geometry. And that is a language, math is a language that is universal. It's not just to earth, it's anywhere you go, there's gonna be math. There's gonna be the language of science. Um, And that's what, like when we meet Agra and she has her orrery and all of that, Agra speaks the language of science and the language of the stars. And it, again, it does this thing to your point earlier, James, where it's, yes, it's fantasy, but it's got this foot in sci-fi too, but not just, oh, sci-fi like spaceships, but the truth of sacred geometry, that all things are connected, that nothing mm. is random, that everything uh, affects another. And what I, 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 again, something that I think uh, people overlook or might overlook in terms of Dark Crystal, just the first film, you have these creatures coming down from wherever they came from to pilfer and pillage the essential resource of this planet boy doesn't that sound familiar you know mm, um as as, as a species where we you know we've gone into lesser cultures lesser countries and we've taken their their natural resource because it's very expensive and we could use it and it will power our vehicles or whatever and we haven't done anything for them and we've ruined their land and we've left you know yeah and i don't like to get too much into like the heady oh this is what this means but what I love about that device that they use is that it's it's universal. This idea hmm. that if we're not careful, we can ruin things. If we're not, if we're only looking out for ourselves, we can mess up life for other people. And Dark Crystal, the story at its heart revolves around that, like con- the connectedness of of the Earth. That moment where Jen, you know, wakes up in thro- in the forest after he falls out of Agra's um, 
orrery or whatever and just seeing that forest alive and how everything is connected to something else and the water yeah. moving and the tree getting up out of the stream and the the one thing leads to another where you see the things flying over and then something swatting it and then that thing that was swatting it is then swallowed by the rock creature it's just <laughs> the, the connection it's endless. Of the, it is it's endless, endless endless i just think back to like how they blocked that out like you think about they have to build these rafters so you can the puppeteers can get underneath all of that and then you've got jen on top of that as well and then that monster it's just that entire set it was all, all at elstree studios and you see like those the some of the um behind the scenes shots of these these sets and they're just incredible you know they even you know even with that they've got like water as well and uh, just yeah amazing and there's plenty of things that they wanted to do and they never did. Jim sent notes to uh, ACH Smith that uh, who was writing the novelization and he said, oh, by the way, there's all these things that we were gonna do in that sequence that we never did. Like we had the idea that there was uh, some sunspot activity that the air would start crackling and some creatures would, would go hide into their burrows and other creatures would come out in basket in that crackling air and then he had an uh, idea about uh a creature uh that looked like uh what did he say like liquid metal like mercury that they they wanted to do that somehow that never that never got off the ground but yeah in in the the notes he, he just sent them like put it in the book you know um we never made it but put it in the book we have a bunch of ideas put it in the book and uh so they had ideas coming out of their nose for for the movie that just ne never made it off the ground yeah and i mean there's even that link again to age of resistance so one of the things that that was removed from the original movie was jen swimming so when we see jen for the first time in in the official movie he's just sat on the side of this little pond um playing his flute well, Jim, they 100% filmed a scene where Jen is in the water swimming and he gets out the water. And I, to see that would be amazing. And the, to see then Age of Resistance do the scene where Rian jumps out of the castle and falls into the water. And then we see Rian right. swimming, swimming to the surface and how that use of green screen and uh, again, rod puppetry to be able to do that as what something Jim would have hundred percent done if he'd have done it, mm -hmm. you know. And I love those. I love those little links between the new series and the original movie. Mm -hmm. That have been that have been wicked to see Jen like get out of the pool. No, I'm so glad they they figured out the water because we've all seen that picture of uh, Jim and Frank and like a bunch of people just staring at jen in the pool face down floating <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. like they were they were like clearly trying to yeah they were trying to figure this out and you know aor figured it out you know that use of green screen and honest to god i never would have guessed that that was green screen maybe it's obvious to some people but i did not know it was green screen until someone told me and i was like well holy crap yeah. um and now i i'm like it's so magic. You don't you don't know, but I'm. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, I think it, it's I think it's the same yeah. technique that they use for law, 
So uh, what do they call it? Is it? Oh, I can't remember. It's a Japanese way of puppetry where you puppeteer oh. from the, from the outside. Yeah, what is that? Bunraku. Bunraku. That's what I was, I was going to say Barack Obama then, but that's not right. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so it's puppeteering from the outside, and obviously with the original you couldn't do that because you'd see the puppeteers. But now with the amazing ability to put people in those green morph suits and then green the rods up, you can just digitally remove those people. Um, but yeah, and also. Um, because the reason I knew that scene existed was because our Mike Plug, um, who was the storyboard artist for Dark Crystal, I was able to get one of the sto- his original storyboards, um, oh. hand drawn, and it is Jen getting out of the pool. So I've got it in some fashion. Is it signed though? Of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> Six hundred quid later. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> the wife might be listening. <laughs> but yeah. yeah it's cool I, I didn't i didn't realize that when it eaten i didn't realize that they wanted to do all that with the with the creatures and the mercury and that's just giving an artist free reign to you know brian frout he, he basically just said like empty your mind on this project this entire world will build together but just just go crazy you you i'll give you the ideas for cre- characters and you just empty your mind on this and I don't think it's ever been done, even with Labyrinth. You know, it's not it's not the same. I always felt with as much as I love Labyrinth in a, in a completely different way. It's not the same experience. It felt like Jim gave in. It felt like, you know what I mean? Because we all There's know people yelling at you right now. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I felt like I felt like with with because Dark Crystal didn't do well at the box office. I right. felt that Jim was then pressured to then do another version but with humans and it's it's a completely different experience but you know what i mean like it's 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 not the same and it never has been the same there's never been there's never been anything the same as dark crystal i think the closest in terms of building the world first i always think it's probably avatar in terms of new movies Mm -hmm. where they kind of created pandora first and then came up with the the story as well but maybe alien with hr geiger but that was obviously before but yeah i think um dark crystal is just solely unique and i think the, i don't think you can sit on the fence either with dark crystal you either totally get it or you don't or but what i also hear though people is they're like yeah it's just not for me and but they they say that but they're also like it is incredible it's just i the, and i get it puppets are not for everyone um, yeah but also, I think what's important to remember is that without the work that Jim and Brian and, of course, Frank, but certainly Jim and Brian did on the original film, set the groundwork for AOR. I mean, that world is as oh, rich as it is, yeah. is b- because they put the five. Actually, I think it was a seven year pre-production before they yeah. had, before cameras. I mean, it was massive. They, it was. They had more. I mean, which, again, as we talk about AOR, they had two years, maybe one of those years is production the first year is them coming up with everything and they made eight times as many films essentially as the first one um in terms of like the length of everything um to give the to create the show you know that we all love um and it's amazing that they were able to produce the show the way that they did um, with as rich a world and the, how the world looks, looks so familiar and it seems like 
And that seems like it is the Thra that we know and love. And I remember when uh, we were first seeing glimpses of AOR, we were all, a lot of us were scared. Like, what are they going to do? Is the, are these going to be the same characters? We hear that Augur is in it. We see, we saw the um, the announcements for the the characterizations, the puppeteers, and the voices. But we're 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 thinking, are they really going to do this? Are they really going to recreate these creatures? I, I won't did. lie to I, I won't lie to you. I, when the you know when that initial trailer dropped and it was just the announcement and it was just a bit of pre-production and mm -hmm. there's a, a guy holding the, the, the skin of a podling and whatever and then they did they showed you um, an early draft of Skek Tech. Mm -hmm. I was solely convinced that this was not going to be puppets. I thought there'll be one or two puppets and a, and a shed load of CGI. Wow. Pure, purely because we the industry had moved away from this. We, yeah, we were slap bang in the middle of like Transformers era, right? Where everything is CG, nothing's real, apart from the occasional exploding car. And I was so convinced. And literally all my friends were like messaging me like, Dark Crystal's back, Dark Crystal. And I, I just could not bring myself to get excited because I just convinced myself they weren't going to do it. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to raise myself up to then be so disappointed. The moment that first trailer dropped that we were all discussing about and waiting for, the moment that first trailer dropped was like, oh my God, they've done it. Like the, I, I genuinely felt like I could have cried. It was like, they have captured this. They've captured what I felt as a kid mm -hmm. in that, in, in that first trailer alone. And it was just like, I can remember just, I, I booked, I booked the whole day off <laughs> the, the moment oh my so, because, because my son um, had, had was really, he's only, only probably about a year old. Um, and I knew that if I was going to do this and not get see spoilers, I'm just gonna have to blitz this. So I booked the day off work. It dropped on Netflix and I binged all 10 hours in one sitting. My eyes were bloodshot. I was I was delirious at some points, but it was worth it was worth every moment, every moment. Yeah. Um, no, I did the same thing. I fell asleep uh, in episode six for a minute, and I had to <laughs> rewind and keep going. Ethan, and, and though, I was just curious with Ethan though, like we're you tend to be more skeptic in terms of like, oh, like is it going to be as good? I don't know. Were you hopeful before we saw anything? What were your what were your instincts about what AOR would be? Did you think it was going to be as good as it was? No, um, I, I, I was keeping my expectations really low. I, I, I thought that some way, somehow, this was just not going to translate the same. I thought it was just going to be... Um, sorry, I don't know if you could hear that. My son's being Tarzan right now. Um, <laughs> I just I, I I thought it wasn't going to translate. Maybe, you know, Chamberlain was going to be, you know, a goof or something. Like I just felt like something was going to be off. Something was going to be wrong. And I was I was trying to be a realist. You know, I was like, you know, calm down, keep keep your your clothes on, Ethan. You know, somehow it's going to be disappointing, and you got to be prepared for that. You know, mm -hmm. and you know that trailer came on, and I remember. For fun, I told my wife to like go ahead and film me watching the trailer for the first time. And halfway through, I was like, I "Okay, <laughs> turn off the camera." Uh, 
I'm, I'm going to man cry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to man cry. No, it was absolutely incredible. It, my expectations were low and it blew me out of the water. I was like, oh crap. Uh, now I'm in love. And um, then, you know, I watched all 10 episodes in one, one go and I was like, well, crap that they, they did it. You know, it, it's incredible. You know, it's pretty flawless. I mean, the, the storytelling, the puppeteering, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, and I really feel like there, there was new Dark Crystal fans made from this show. You know? Yeah, I, that's I th- cool. I, I truly do. Like, you know, you just look up the fan art and there's just people that just, you know, they, they like to think of themselves as, you know, a little bit of this clan, a little bit of that clan. And, you know, they, they I, I mean, they're just taking this world and running with it. And it, it's, it's got a special magic. And I, I'm so glad that Age of Resistance um, brought Dark Crystal back, you know, before we just had the movie, you know, and, and, a, and a few books in the books. Um, you know, a lot of people love the books, but it wasn't, you know, unless it's on screen, it's almost as if, you know, it's not real. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I agree with you. Well, like, the Dark oh, Crystal yeah. is puppetry. I mean, I think that's right. the Dark Crystal and puppets are the same. That's why it can never be a cartoon. Um. <laughs> yeah, before you can say, oh, Naya is my favorite character, but, you know, there's a few illustrations here and there. But, you know, now we, we can see Naya, we can see Kylan, we could, you know, we see characters on the screen that blow our minds, you know. And, yeah, and I think also with the books and stuff is like, because you when you read a book it's your interpretation, right? So in your head, oh, yeah. you're imagining how Naya moves or whatever. But now, you know, her personality, you know how she is because of how she how she is in the series. So and I, and I always felt like with the books, they were a bit a bit what's the word disconnected because it was a bit like oh we're doing a manga now we're doing now we're doing comics now we're doing books it felt like it was just sporadic Mm -hmm. and just not on the same path and i'm glad age of resistance got made because it kind of like it makes that canon makes that the sole purpose if that makes oh you you make a good point power of the dark crystal and beneath dark crystal um I felt like if if Age of Resistance is it feels like power, the power comic or the beneath comic, I felt like we're kind of going into this direction that in my uh, interpretation, my opinion, didn't feel like Dark Crystal. Like there was a lot of Dark Crystal ideas in the, the stories. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I understand what beneath and power were trying to do in what those writers and artists were trying to do but i just feel like it was kind of getting off track you know like where are we going what's the, where where are we going with this and age of resistance came and almost put the train back on the tracks like oh 100 percent, yeah yeah this yeah. is thra this <clears throat> is the world and and yeah the 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 power in the the, the beneath comics almost those sequel comics felt uh you know you know it's like oh it's after the movie and the skexies come back and then they leave again and then you know it's just felt goofy it it goes back to what you said earlier about how 
<clears throat> you, we need new threats in Thra if we're going to continue. If it was to continue, I, my my biggest problem with Power of the Dark Crystal was that I soon I knew nothing about it. I knew the comment was coming out. I was like, okay, how are they going to do this? If they're going to bring the Skeksis, the Mystics back, how are they going to do this? Because they reform at the end of the movie, and the Urskeks leave Thra. You open Power of the Dark Crystal, and the crystal cracks again and the Skeksis and the Mystics appear out of the crystal. We know that that is not correct. The law isn't, that's not what happened. They didn't go into the crystal, they left home. So right. to, it's almost like retconning the end of the movie, which for me is like a big no-no. So I think going forward, if they were to do it, it they, they need to find new threats. Let's have this time, let's have an, another Gelfling be a villain. You know, rather than we've seen them be the heroes, but they're people, they're, they're, they're all as different to each other. We know that now with Age of Resistance, we know that there's friction between the clans. Who's to say there's not friction post-ending of the movie? You know, Jen and Kira rebuild this world, but who says that they accept them as their leader, et cetera, et cetera. I think it needs to go in that direction and possibly like Ethan said, go for new villains, new creatures, because they can clearly do it. Like, I loved the new Skeksis in Age of Resistance as equally as the, as the, as the old ones. I never in a million years thought I'd say that. Right. Um, I was, I, you know, I went into, I got to see the first episode um, a week early. I got to see it on, a, on a, a, at the cinema. Just a week? Um, <laughs> just a week just a week, wow. just, a week. just one week it was <laughs> it was good enough you. i'm kidding, I'm kidding. It, was, it was it was it was good enough um but i saw it on the cinema screen and there's nowhere to hide you've just got yep. you know and i was i fell in love with the collector and the general just as much as i did with the chamberlain you know i was mm -hmm. sitting there thinking oh i'm gonna be all about the old characters and i was like oh no i want more collector like th those scenes with the collector and the scroll keeper um, which is Helena Smee and Neil Sterenberg are absolutely some of the best scenes in the whole series. Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. that I'd, I'd see a whole, I'd see a whole side series of just them two going off the absolutely. adventures around Thra. Mm -hmm. Like it's such well-written, well, well puppeted and, and, and well-directed. Like, so I don't know what my original point was, but yeah. But so, I think <laughs> before we go on, I think it's important to our listeners, and I'm sure some of them know, but not all of them might not know that before AOR was ever going to happen, there was <clears> Power <throat> of the Dark Crystal. Power of the Dark Crystal was announced in 2005 with Gendy Tartofsky of, of Samurai Jack as the director of the film. Henson was trying to raise the money. I think they initially got some money. There was a sizzle reel released at San Diego Comic-Con in 2005 that was released online from someone for a little bit. And in that sizzle reel, you saw the Jen puppet and the Kira puppet and they're moving their mouths. And that's amazing. And I remember I took a still of that Kira puppet it's somewhere on my hard drive somewhere. But and I know someone has that file somewhere, but it's never well, seen the light those, of day since. Those, those two photos, the two puppets appear in the... Um, Age of Resistance art book at the back. They have a yes, Power of the do. Dark Crystal section. Yes, they and do. I thought they were concept art. No. But I, I, when I met Brian, they're actually still photographs of two real puppets that both yep. Brian and Wendy made. Yeah. How are made? And they are stunning. They, they are, are stunning. Absolutely stunning. Um, but again, to give people I mean, context. Kira, 
Yeah, like to give people context, we were waiting on Power of the Dark Crystal for a long, long, long time. And, a long time. And Henson kept uh, releasing press releases about what we're doing and here's it going. Now there's a new director. Now there's a new director. Here's It's going to be filmed in Australia. Um, the Spearwork Brothers who directed uh, Breaking... Oh, predestination in another vampire film i can't remember they were attached to it for a while and they said they were going to use state-of-the-art puppetry and there was going to be some digital effects but at the same time i know ethan really was the only one that i was talking to for a while i mean in terms of like on and off because i i don't know when we first met ethan how long ago was that 2006 maybe 2007 oh no uh 2000 i think we started talking in 2014 no really yeah <laughs> but i had seen you in that dark crystal group for a long time um, no i i didn't start talking dark crystal online until 2013 when really okay um they launched darkcrystal.com it, it was so, someone else jamie no it was so it was to. just myself laszlo <laughs> yeah and bland and other people um yeah. but i feel like i remember seeing ethan i remember seeing you like pop up and then I'd go to friend you and I'd friend you. And then next week you were gone. <laughs> I'm like, where did, that, where did that guy go? And I, I only remembered your avatar or your profile image, which was a, a drawing of a, a, I don't know if it was Jen, but it was a Gelfling boy. And I'm, that's the only picture I had to like, where did that guy go? Um, <laughs> and it was Ethan, but I didn't know what he looked like. Um, then you would reappear and then you would disappear. But after a while, when me and Ethan started to really talk and become friends, we were, we were talking about Power of the Dark Crystal. And then, and I don't know when the story, I mean, I think we got a little synopsis of the story, um, but we were all biting at the bit for this film to come out. And it was 10 years that they were talking about making this movie. And That's it was ridiculous. like, are they, yeah, and it's like, are they going to make this movie? And, and then, you know, by the time, you know, 2015 rolls around, they hadn't announced AOR, but the gears are already moving. They're already yeah. talking to Netflix. Things are happening. We don't know this at this, at this point because... It's funny you say that as well, because this is in an age where in, the internet was only really starting to gear up at the same time. So mm -hmm. I remember when they announced Power of the Dark Crystal, it was like in the back of Empire Magazine, this mm -hmm. tiny little photo of like, oh, Dark Crystal's coming back. And that was it. And I was like, okay. But Cinefantastique like, also did a thing yeah. on it. They had Hera in her headdress and everything, and they covered it a little bit. But again, I was, I think, and I've said this before on episodes past on Trial by Stone, it was the hand of Jim Henson saying, no, you're not, you're not making this. And to get back to a point that you both were making, it really was a retelling of the original film um, in yeah. a different way. And it made, it, it, it made Jen a villain and it just, it got kind of crazy. Um, and just, I'm glad it just, it just treads old ground, doesn't it? That's the problem. Yeah. And the, and also the problem with, with these studios, Henson included, I think is they're trying to come up with a way to, continue a, an ip and unfortunately when studios do that whether they're huge or small like henson they end up regurgitating things we've seen before as mm. opposed to actually telling a new story i mean we're at a place with star wars where there's a bunch of star wars series coming out on disney plus and they're good but it's just disney looking back it's just nostalgia. It's no new stories. It's nothing new after post rise of skywalker or even post return of the jedi i mean Mandalorian is post Return of the Jedi, but it's still the past. And I think with Dark Crystal, 
it is sacred. It is a sacred story. It is a story that Jim Henson worked on for years of his life with Brian Froud. And for them to have pivoted back just to kind of regurgitate things we had seen before, all oh, the crystals cracked again. Like that story has been told. And I am so glad that movie was never made. And I hope it never gets made. I don't think it will, but I hope it, I really hope that they don't like, oh, let's try and make this movie now. Oh, there's no way. Yeah. They, they released that comic. So the, the work and the effort that went into it for all those years got out into the world some way somehow you know yeah, it, yeah. it's like okay it there it is now we can move on well it's the clawback investment isn't it that's that was why it was released also i think with age of resistance it's like <clears throat> by going to a prequel you kind of got this huge sandbox now that you can play in like they've established all these characters and even if we don't get a season two and they decided they, they're going to do it in different ways, animated or comic or whatever, they can go wherever they want with that. They've established so much new law mm. in the new series, which, which blew me away. You know, the, the clans alone. I mean, we haven't, we haven't seen all of them yet. So, we, you know, the, the Seafood we hardly see at all. We only see for a, a few scenes. Mm-hmm. And yet we, we, we've, you know, there's so much more that they can expand on. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it just continues that thing of you can delve into as deep or as light as you like. Yeah. Well, I think that there's going to be a lot to talk about. I mean, I know our first episode, everyone is kind of all over, but there is a lot to, to discuss. We want to have guests on eventually. Uh, we want to talk about some specifics, story beats, what, is really amazing in terms of the story. Maybe some things that didn't work in AOR or the original, and but really get into this in a way that we feel like has not been discussed before in the way that we're going to discuss it. So this first uh, episode is an intro to us, to what we want to do, but I feel like our conversations are going to be like this. They're going to be really, real deep dives into the substance of these of the film, of the show, and every aspect of that, and what enchants us about it. So, and I also uh, just wanted to make a quick point about I I'm so proud to be part of the Dark Crystal fan base right now because it seems like the fan base is 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 all in the same boat. We're so lucky that we've got the original movie and the prequel series that is equally the same quality mm-hmm. as it as what made it happen. And at the moment, it's just it's just wonderful. Everybody, it's just great to be part to to meet new people and to to talk to new people is just it's just fantastic about Dark yep. Crystal because yep. for me as a kid, I, ta- I I didn't get to talk to anybody about it because I thought oh it's just me that likes this. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and honestly, I the people I talk to the most during my days are you guys. Like I, <laughs> yeah, run, I, I run other podcasts. <laughs> I have other well, things that I. I have to do. My wife's like, but, are you talking to Jamie again? <laughs> <laughs> but I really, like, I, I spend my days talking to you or Ethan. That's what I do. Like, I would say 80% of my day is talking to you guys. And it's oh, no, just right. the best. You guys bring me life. The fandom brings me life. I mean, I'm at a different place. Like, I know that there's the the great conjunction and, and fan events. Those don't really speak to me that much. I'm not interested in those kinds of things. I'm interested in kind of more of the specific details to talk about Mm -hmm. and i'm glad that uh we are here to talk about them so thank you guys for agreeing to do this we're gonna be back again oh yeah Uh, we don't know exactly oh for sure we don't know exactly when the show is going to come out i'll talk with phil who does the 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 big show for trial by stone and we'll get a date 
and it'll probably be the same date every month, but this is a monthly show and we want to make sure we have enough. So thank you every, everyone for listening. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a good one. <laughs>